What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listening to Strange Familiars, True Stories of the Paranormal, Cryptids, Hauntings, The Occult, Mythology, UFOs, Folklore, Weird and Forgotten History. Please make sure to like and subscribe to Strange Familiars on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever you are listening. Please share the Strange Familiars page and episodes on Facebook and other social media. If you have experienced something strange, or if you know a story you would like us to cover, email strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. And of course, strangefamiliars.com. Welcome to Strange Familiars. Tonight we're going to be talking with Jeff. And Jeff has had a whole lifetime of experiences. He first emailed me to tell me about a flannel man experience he had, which we're actually not going to hear tonight. I'm going to save that for another flannel man show. However, Jeff has had a whole lifetime of experiences, starting at a very young age, 
with spirits and shadow people, strange cryptids, and more. So let's get right to the interview with Jeff. So we're talking to Jeff. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. Do you want to give your location as specific or general as you want? I live in a mining community up in northern Ontario in Canada. And is this where most of your experiences took place? Uh, yeah, 100%. I've born, raised, educated, live here. Okay. I've traveled around for uh, vacations and things of that nature, but never really encountered any uh, tomfoolery anywhere else other than right here. Sure. Well, you contacted me originally about a, a flannel man experience when you heard uh, us talking about Flannel Man, but in the course of us talking, you kind of mentioned some other experiences that you've had throughout your life. So why don't we take it in chronological order? If you want to tell us any details about yourself that seem relevant, and then we can go from there. Sure. Yeah, like uh, like you had mentioned, I had initially contacted you regarding the, the one podcast that I was listening to, which struck me as so familiar that it it made me reach out to you and to make things more under relatable or understandable as to even like it wasn't a one-off and why I knew there was some substance to that specific encounter. I wanted to elaborate a little to you that throughout my life, I've had uh, numerous encounters of different levels and growing in uh, potency as I got older. I don't like putting specific terms on it because growing up, I've always been what one would consider to be an atheist or I guess, you know, something along those lines, despite the fact that I'm an extremely spiritual person and have many beliefs that are tied to nature. We'll say like Native American beliefs with respect to natural entities. And uh, if you treat the earth correctly, it'll treat you properly back. And that there's many layers to that going along with that. Uh, the reason that I clarify this specifically is because I've always kind of held in in very high belief the fact that, you know, people of certain religious sects and things of this nature that try to push a belief system on other people are highly misled. They're acting out of an operation of personal faith-based belief generally in a, in a, in a naturally, completely natural human reaction to the inevitability that, you know, they don't have their mind wrapped around how short of a time we have here and they don't understand it all whereas I've kind of come from a, a background of being kind of I, I hate to say in touch with or in tune with but it's the only real proper way to say it with a with a deeper understanding of as a belief would go that everything's a, electricity of, a, of sort we all share a, a web of interconnectedness that allows us to see and feel different things and experience different levels of being all within what we would consider this like uh, material plane, if you will. Did you come to this through a particular teaching, or, or did you come sort of through natural revelation or experience, was, or how did you come to these ideas? I, I kind of would have to say I developed these philosophies, if you will. I don't consider myself a philosopher by any means, but I, I came to these understandings and philosophies about our role in this environment and our awareness and self-awareness explicitly through personal experience, as well as experiences that many would deem supernatural in nature, as well as having highly difficult to prove when I wanted to prove them, 
but yet other times extremely tangible extrasensory perceptions and abilities that have allowed me to, like I say, more or less be aware of different things. Um, I've always inherently known that, you know, a, a belief in one omnipotent God type is completely a, a fallacy, that there's numerous entities, there's numerous powers, any which present themselves to you as a quote-unquote God is as shallow and as so full of themselves as any other on this plane that you could interact with uh, at your local Loblaws uh, grocery store. I guess I might be using a local brand that might not be relevant to where you are. <laughs> you know, that there's numerous, numerous things out there. Many of them are powerful, and a lot of those things can see some of the people on our level relative to that person's particular abilities. Like when people refer to auras, if, if somebody has an extremely strong aura, and this is something I've never personally been able to see, and I've always kind of been mildly jealous of people who claim that they can, also highly skeptical of a lot of them, because none of them seem to have the same description of any particular person's aura. So I don't know if it's a, a visual level, like if it's how in tune they are, or if it's even just something that even exists. But I believe that people with extremely strong auras, if you will, can be seen across the uh, like the ethereal cloth that kind of divides us from the other areas if you will does that make uh, any it does it does and, sense? And i don't know how muddy that sounds but no no it's very interesting just because i i can't say that i can do it doesn't mean that somebody else can't right you know? exactly yeah, yeah. anyways uh, not trying to get off topic so getting back to the point um the reason i had explained a few of those items to you or via email was just to try and uh ground a little bit of what i was saying to you because irregardless of how much I've experienced in my life. I'm always this uh, <laughs> persistent skeptic, almost to a fault. And the primary reason for that has always been because I have this fear based on everything I know and through all the medical knowledge and everything that anybody who sees a, you know something that isn't supposed to be there thinks that they know something about somebody that they should not, while they're automatically labeled as, you know, having some level of schizophrenia or being, you know, delusional or they were, you know, feverish and they had a, a vision that they didn't actually actually see all these things. But I mean, when you take it in weight over the years of my life, I'm 36 years old and all the, you know, ancillary people around me who I think I've tried to confide in maybe seven or eight people in my entire life, realistically, uh, you're, you're actually included in that number. Up to this point, obviously, with the uh, the podcast being slightly different format, all those people, as soon as I you know told them, hey, this is kind of something that I feel happens, and I, I can't necessarily prove it to you, but I can give you a few examples as we will tonight, and they've all kind of had one of those aha moments, and every time they identified to me that they either a knew that I had specific knowledges that nobody else should, or b highly suspected so it was nobody has ever called me you know a fraud or said oh you're just you're nuts or you know go have another beer or anything like that it's always been like a yeah that makes a lot of sense and everything that i think about with you now all of a sudden kind of jive there was always a little bit of a a cog that didn't seem to fit and all of a sudden now it does so that was always kind of reassuring but at the same time being an internal skeptic of you know oh geez i really hope it's not like a tumor pressing on a certain part of my brain that's making me see these things i was always highly highly nervous to even tell anybody these things right right yeah now are we talking about um esp in the sense of 
divining future events or more just kind of knowledge about a certain person or a certain activity or it's tough um i i find that divining the future events probably the one that i'm the least convinced i do however there's strong evidence to it um i'll, I'll run through a scenario specific to that with you but if we're going chronologically, it happened in my 20s, so we'll start in my childhood and we'll work our way up. Well, um, okay, there, why don't we do that? Why don't we just start with uh, with some of these uh, encounters and experiences? Sure. Um, you mean like chronologically still? or just... Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Let's the first so the, thing you remember. Or... Yeah, so, so the earliest instance of this, we'll say, and I, I wasn't given direct credit, we'll say, for having any special abilities. It was more of a everybody in the family kind of took it the way they wanted to as a, a kind of a special present to them as a departing gift. When my grandmother passed away, I was three years old, and uh, her husband and my grandfather were still alive. This would be my uh, maternal grandmother on my mom's side there. She's a sibling, my mom, of uh, ten kids, and not like so I have nine aunts and uncles on that side. So being a three-year-old, they uh, didn't feel that it was particularly important at the time, especially considering there was a lot of family politics going on, a lot of fighting, infighting. Through the stress, they weren't uh, the most apt at dealing with stress, we'll say. Back in uh, 84, we'll, we'll go back that far, because that's when it happened. So they, they kept myself and a couple of the other younger cousins in the dark as to the fact that, you know, they were planning a funeral and all these different things. So... I believe it was the day that they were at the hospital because they, they brought her in by ambulance. She was having issues with uh, oxygen. My, my grandmother, I mean. So the, the whole family's there. Um, I was actually at my grandparents' house. Uh, of all places, I was actually, I took a nap in my grandmother and grandfather's bed. Uh, being a little guy, it didn't really matter to me where I slept. I was just, you know, tuckered out at that point in the day. So a couple of them arrived back my mom, my dad, and uh, one or two aunts and uncles. And the very first thing I, I expressed to my mother when she walked in the door to wake me up, because there was actually one uncle that stayed back at the house. Um, they didn't know when they took her to the hospital that she was going to pass away at the hospital that day. This was just, you know, the result of the hospital visit was while she ended up passing away. Mm-hmm. So when they came back, I was still sleeping, and my mom came in the room and woke me up, and... Uh, First thing I told her, and I used to call my this specific grandmother of mine, Nanny. I told her, I said, oh, Nanny was here. She was with another lady. And she wanted me to tell you, you know, in effect, that, uh, I, she, I didn't say in effect, but paraphrase now, because I, I don't remember the exact words I said as a three-year-old anymore, but, you know, she loves you. She wanted me to let you know that she said goodbye. And then I expressed a moment of concern about this other woman, as I called her, that was with my grandmother in the room with me, that insisted that she had to go now, and that this, she didn't want to leave, but this other woman insisted that she leave now. And that was that, and that was my you know message when I was a waking three-year-old. Now, you can take that as a dream, if you will, but that's really, really peculiar timing, considering this happened while they're at the hospital and she passed away. Right, yeah, it's very specific, and I mean, I've heard of a number of other similar stories. It's almost like the flannel man thing in that a lot of people tell a very similar story. They're visited by a loved one who says goodbye. They haven't even known that this person is deceased, 
so i mean i've heard a, a, you know versions of of a similar story that that other people have told which to me lends credence to it yeah well and beyond that i mean i believe that being a three-year-old had no intention or desire to uh, fabricate this and there was nobody there that in tune me to the fact that she wouldn't have been at the house or was at the house or anything of that nature so where did i come up with that you know that wasn't a, a standardized dream for a, a three-year-old who was big into the 18 at the time you know sure and did you experience it as a dream i know this is going way back but do you remember experiencing it as a dream or did you experience it more as like a waking moment no um my understanding was that i was in the room i was supposed to be having a nap i ended up having the nap however i was woken up for her to give me this make sure you tell your mom i love her and i love you and all this kind of stuff so i was apparently woken up right to be provided this message to pass along that's interesting your feeling is that it was a waking experience Uh, that's my understanding yeah yeah that's really interesting that would be like essentially the the first big moment and the reason i say that is because after my mom told one or two of her siblings because uh, she clearly was shaken by this immediately one of my you know other cousins about two or three days later claimed well his mom claimed that you know that it was oh our son had the same thing and your son isn't so special and all this and it was a it was it had less to do with the message and all of a sudden trying to just debunk me mm-hmm. which made us all kind of go like oh okay and ironically that those two individuals that uncle and that that uh, lady that was married to him with their child actually became estranged from the family within like two years like completely estranged for the last 30 years nobody spoke of them kind of thing mm. so they're uh, they've got you know other issues with competing with the rest of the family in a, in a family that was not based around competition so right, right. It's very very strange yeah so you roll along and uh through my childhood i was raised you know going to the bush uh and like when i say when i say going to the bush uh, so like the, the community i live in uh, well i'll tell you the town it's timmins ontario it's a it's a large enough town i, I call it large enough it's forty five thousand people it's not that big the nearest larger center is a three-hour drive at 100 kilometers or 60 miles an hour, right? So we're far from everybody. We're kind of plunked in the middle of northern Ontario swampland, if you will. Uh, lots of rock outcrops, hence the, the gold mining community and all these things. The woods around Timmins um, and the history around Timmins are very interesting. A lot of things I learned as a kid were very, um, you know, respect nature, be in the bush as often as you can because it's a, it's a healing entity and all these types of things. And my mom and two of her specific brothers, as well as my father, all practiced a lot of nature beliefs and things of that that kind of like brought me into the fold with being in the woods and feeling very at ease in the woods. I mean, my favorite thing to do, like I work all summer for this construction industry, long, long days. As soon as Saturday morning rolls around, I'm up at, you know, the crack of dawn. I'm in a truck. I'll drive for, like, 45 kilometers or, like, you know, close to 60 miles. I don't know. That would be 30 miles into the bush. And I just park the truck, get out, and kind of let the wind take me where it will. And I'll just walk into the woods with a little pack on my shoulder and spend the entire day in the bush by myself. Now, that's caused me to have several other bizarre encounters, whether the being in the bush was the issue or just... It was the time, which I believe was more the case. I still don't 
stay away from the bush. Now I know I've had experiences in the woods and I think we're talking like horror movies with like, you know, swamps and all these dark, uh, cedars and, you know, all this, uh, old man's beard type moss hanging off the trees. Well, that's exactly the kind of forest that I walk through like every single weekend. And I love it. Like I'm just at home in it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I was having a conversation with a, a Bigfoot witness off air and, uh, he was telling me that he loves to hunt and he, he has seen them at night a few times in in the area where he is. And and he says, I don't know if I want to see him during the day. I don't don't want to be scared. And I agree with him because hiking is, I mean, it's, it's the number one thing I love to do. I love to be alone in the woods. I love to be out there by myself. I love as bizarre as it sounds. I love to get myself into situations that I know I have to get out of, (laughs) not necessarily survival situations, but where no, I'm, I, where I'm I deep enough, understand. yeah, I'm deep enough in the woods where it's like, well, you got yourself here. You have to get yourself out. There's something about that that I that I just love. And to, if I was to ever have that taken away by some sort of, you know, you hear a lot of really frightening encounters where people refuse to go in the woods and stuff. So as much as I track this stuff down, that's my one great, I guess, fear is that I would I would somehow lose that hiking because I just there's something about that connection. When you say that going into the bush is healing. I know exactly what you mean. It's healing. It's it's meditation. If you connect with it, you can't imagine anything else. Your uh, drive to get there on Saturday morning, I completely understand that. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I actually feel driven to go to the woods sometimes. Like, like if I don't go for, <laughs> particularly depending on the season, if it's, uh, well, I go all four seasons. I love being in the woods in the winter up here because everything's frozen and we live in a very swampy region so for me to walk you know uh, I, I'm going to keep referencing kilometers because I'm up in Canada That's if fun. I was to walk uh, you know five kilometers into the woods in a straight line I'd actually have to walk about 12 to get there because I have to walk around bogs I have to walk around all these little lakes and all these rock outcrops and there's no such thing as an easy passage through the woods up here unfortunately but in the winter that 5k is just that it's a 5k straight line because now everything's frozen there's snow everywhere as long as i don't stick my foot into a really deep snow drift that will take me up to the waist i can walk straight across and i love that in the winter too however the winter is a little bit more um, challenging because uh, a lot more can go wrong when it goes down to minus 35 or so at night right yeah uh celsius uh, i'm not entirely certain what that is in uh, fahrenheit but that's fine <laughs> my entire uh, youth i was taken to the woods and kind of raised to respect nature. My dad tried inter- introducing me to hunting maybe twice. Never forced it on me. It never really sat right with me. Here's the primary reason why. And I don't knock anybody who hunts uh, personally as long as they're doing it for food and not strictly for sport. I right. have no problem with it, but that kind of goes back to my belief system. And you know, at the same token, I do acknowledge that it's completely legal for them to do it for sport at the same time, right? I agree completely. So one of the primary reasons I, I don't hunt is because I, as well as like even my wife laughs when somebody asks if I hunt, and we both say, no, that's it's not fair. Because you name an animal, I can walk into the woods with you, take you to it, like not deliberately, but we'll run into it. And to a nature that, like a, to a, an encounter level that makes a lot of people really uncomfortable. Here's an example. Take my wife on her birthday out uh, berry picking. We're out there for a few hours. It's raining pretty heavy. 
uh, the mosquitoes were getting bad, so we decided to call our quits. We had a, a few liters of berries as it was, and we were picking uh, sugar plums because the blueberries weren't out yet. Uh, they might be called service berries or Saskatoon berries relative to where you're from. We turned around, and the road that we were on that I had parked on that I took her in was like a gravel road. Like if somebody references a sand pit, you know, that kind of sand, mm-hmm. like yes. beach, beach sand, but it's not, there's no beach. Right. So yep. we're on this really glass smooth road because of all the rain that day. It's completely smooth. We turn around and there's these uh, wolf footprints that are so big. They're like the size of like uh, tea plates, like um, the saucers for a uh, teacup. Sure. Yeah. Oof. And it's raining relatively hard. These footprints haven't even had time to have any water fill them up. So the wolf literally just walked beside us. And we both had our backs turned to the road because we were both picking up in a, a tree that's about eight feet tall where the berries are. And as we're walking back to the car, I'm like, oh, geez, look at this. And I should have known better <laughs> to take her there. And I haven't taken her back there because that same road, when my dad was a younger guy in his mid-20s, he went camping out there and he got chased by a pack of wolves out of there. And he had to sit on top of a, a rock crusher from some old defunct mining equipment until somebody drove by on that road that night and he caught them with his flashlight and got them to come back and pick them up. Wow. And they circled them all night trying to figure out how to get to him. Because he just, to say he got away from them, just, he did. And I later, in the winter, took a dog up there walking one time and had a really close encounter with the wolf again. And it was the last time I decided to take any anybody else there because I know I can get away if I needed to. But I don't want somebody else being there with me because... Now I'm putting them at risk, right? So wolves, moose, fox, bears, bald eagles, other stuff too. Like just like some of the most exquisite looking like if, if they weren't um, if they weren't in the bush and I hadn't seen them so frequently, I would call somebody who told me they seem like such a perfect example of that species, a liar. You know, like I'll see like a red fox and it'll have like a two and a half foot long tail that's like bushier than anything you'll ever see and it's just there's not a problem with his fur anywhere and he'll just sit there and like let me basically walk up to him and talk to him and then you know sometimes they'll give me kind of a funny look and run away because they kind of get spooked by the realization that they've let me approach to them too and that's usually i find the reaction is it's almost like they don't notice i'm there until we're interacting for a second and then they realize hold on a sec this isn't how this is supposed to be. This is a threat. These are those bipedal buggers that make all the noise and make all the smell in the bush, right? Huh. So that's why I personally don't hunt, but I love being in the woods. It's very, very, uh, very homey for me. You know what I mean? I understand that completely. Okay, so uh, raised that way, um, raised to have a lot of those kinds of... Uh, beliefs and systems in place practiced them quite a bit when i was younger in my uh, adolescence let's go uh, up to around the age of say 12 i uh, began doing some reading when i could on um, the practice of white magic because i knew all these energies and i knew all these things that i was uh, seeing and hearing so specifically um, like i was sharing a lot of dreams with people around me uh, aunts uncles uh, mother father friends and when I say sharing dreams, I mean, like, I'd have a dream where it would be this super uh, surreal dream. And if it was you, for example, um, I'd dream that, say, you and I were out walking, and you were walking three feet ahead of me. And you were talking to somebody else, and the whole, whole evening, 
I'm having this dream. And all these weird things are saying necessarily going on in the dream that would be in your dream. And you don't acknowledge me the entire time we're there. Then the next day when I see you, I say, geez, Tim, I had the weirdest experience last night. I dreamt about you all night. Not the way you're thinking. So give me that uh, funny look another day. (laughs) And, And then I would explain to you the dream or I would... Before I would even sometimes preemptively get to that, somebody would come up to me and say, I had a dream about you last night. And then they would tell me verbatim the dream that, um, like, you don't, you know how you don't necessarily remember every dream you have? Yeah. Where there's lots of funny parts? Mm-hmm. Well, I've had, I won't call it a plague, but I've been plagued with over the years. When I wake up from certain types of dreams, I remember every detail in, in everything. I remember how long it felt like it took and all these various things, right? And then those are the ones that always seem to come back to me. Or somebody reaches out like a cold call from an email. Uh, somebody I haven't spoke to in six years. I had a dream about them the night before. Then I get an email from them the next day. Like, like literally haven't spoken to them in six years. I get an email from them and they're like, hey, I've been thinking about you. Um, can we talk? And then I find out, you know, they're having some weird dream. And for whatever reason, they've decided they've got to follow up with me. So that was going on for a long time. So like I said, uh, in my early adolescence, with this going on and a lot of the time with the adults I found that they were saying like oh we had this shared dream you know like if my mom and my uncle had a shared dream they didn't realize well there was three people in that dream and I was always the common denominator because I was also in a dream of his you know a couple nights earlier and then I was in her dream the day before but now because they had the same dream and they were both there they believed that they're sharing a dream when in actuality I was kind of connecting them for whatever reason I don't know how to explain it I, I don't have any control over it and generally i never actually knew that it was a dream it always just felt like a very surreal weird day you know what i mean yeah um so this would go on and because of things of of this nature or um people would go to ask me a question but i already knew they wanted to ask me that question so i had the answer kind of prepped so i'd like answer them halfway through their question and that used to like creep a lot of people out when i was a kid I was uh, extremely heavily bullied as a little guy because I was very, you know, soft and gentle. I loved nature and didn't want to hurt anybody. And I had, like, long hair. You know, it was the 80s. I had super long mullets and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, it was just a very weird mix. And it was an unfortunate mix for a young fellow because it caused a lot of uh, weird fallout. But at the same time, it also kind of, being an only child, it kind of pushed me to resign myself to learning more about certain things that I, where I knew were exclusively my own. So I started looking into this white magic and things of that nature, and trying to go through all these various printed sources that I could find. And like I, I know that my mom knew several people who, she never called it witchcraft, but they practiced various things like Wicca and all these things. Wiccan, I'm not sure the exact pronunciation. I don't worry about lumping it in there because to me that's still just another religious faith system yep. you know like you're just subscribing to some guy's specific book so at the end of the day i you know i kind of grab a little pinch of this a little pinch of that and if it all makes the meat taste better then that's what we're going to put in the recipe right so those sorts of things uh proceeded and then i started getting a little bit better control over it as i uh, became a teenager i was uh very good at what we'll call it mind reading pulling information out of people. Now, people just always thought that I was very quick-witted. That was always how people described me. I was either quick-witted or I was just a, a jerk. <laughs> one of those two things, because I would say that one thing that I knew they didn't want anybody else to know, particularly because it was usually a guarded thing that 
even though nobody else in the room might know it about them, their physical reaction to having it said to their face in some level of detail generally, if I was you know, showing off, we'll say, they, they'd have a very negative reaction. Like, I've had a lot of people blow up on me and swear at me up and down and march away, and then other people would come back to me later and go, geez, you're a dick. And I was like, I'm just laughing about it. Then they say, but that person can't stop talking about you now. And it's like, yeah, I know, because I said something to them that they thought was a secret. So little things like that go on for years. Uh, like high school, had a buddy who has always kind of suspected he was my best friend through like grade school and into high school. We played music together and stuff. And uh, I said to him, like, you know, I can, I can tell the future. I was kind of like just testing the boundaries of it because trying to figure out exactly what it was. I was still relatively young and naive about a lot of stuff. And he goes, "Oh yeah, you really think so?" I said, "Yeah." So. He pulls out a quarter. He says, guess the guess the coin flip. And I said, okay. So I guess the coin flip, and he's like, whatever, 50-50 chance. So I said, we'll keep going. So we did that consecutively into the 20s that I didn't get it wrong. And then he goes, get one more. And I just turned to him and I said, dude, like, I think it was like 21 times in a row that I guessed the coin flip as he was flipping the coin. And I said, look, I think I've proven what I had to prove about this. Like, we're, we're not going to learn anything new about this. You're just flipping a coin. We can always say it's a 50-50 chance, but 21 times in a row, those are some staggering statistics. Little things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about some of these entities. Then. Okay. So, uh, clearly, a um, positive one was, uh, you know, my grandmother. I consider that an entity because uh, she wasn't there in physical form. I've heard a lot of people talk about, you know, lots of these entities that they've seen or the the one encounter that somebody will tell me about that they've had in their life where they've seen something that shouldn't be there. It's always blurry. My biggest issue with what I've experienced is it's never been blurry. It's high def all the time, and it's creepy sometimes. Like, just god-awful scary. Like, bad sometimes. So... Like, it's not like I'm going to tell you one action or work and run after me or anything like that. I just mean, like, sometimes I have a physical reaction to seeing things and, like, my body's like, get out of here. Even though my mind's telling me, you should really go try and interact with that thing because you ain't going to get another opportunity like this anytime soon. <laughs> and then, you know, a couple of days later it happens again and you're sitting there going, oh, my God, maybe it did fall down and hit your head one time really too hard. You know, like, something's wrong with this. I'm going to pause the interview here. This is where Jeff talked about his Flannel Man experience, which again, we'll be sharing that in another Flannel Man show, which is upcoming. While we're at the break here, I did want to thank our patrons. And of course, mention if you'd like to help Strange Familiars, if you'd like to help us make the show and help the show to continue, you can become a patron yourself at patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. $3 a month gets you extra shows. We try to do one full extra show a month for our patrons. And there's other reward levels there as well. You can get things like t-shirts, stickers, pins, copies of my book, and more. Again, that's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Another way you can help us is to support our eBay store. We do have a Strange Familiars eBay store we started recently. I will put a link in the show notes. We have all kinds of cool stuff there from weird ephemera, 
I put up a copy of The Hex Book, which tells the story of Nelson Raymire and Hex Hollow, which we talk about frequently on the show. That's out of print. I found a copy recently, and that's up there with some other local folklore booklets. My books are up there, of course, some of my music. So go ahead and check it out. That's the Strange Familiars eBay store. My new albums, Fallow and Entity Drift, are available now. The 5-inch record is sold out. If the lathe cut company sends me extras, I might have a couple extras, but as far as I know, every copy of that is spoken for. However, you can still get the CDs separately, Fallow and Entity Drift, and you can find those at stonebreath.bandcamp.com. And let's get back to our interview with Jeff. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This specific house, we knew that it was ours, but it's almost like it, it called to us because there's a couple spots in this house where, I promise you, there are thin spots between like the the veil, as I referred to it before, specifically in the hallway of this house uh, upstairs. I don't know why, but I've had a lot of encounters here, and my wife has actually had quite a few here as well. She's had some in the past through uh, you know, living at university and stuff too. She was living on her own. There was different uh, things happened to her, but I won't go into her stuff so, so much, but it acts as a confirmation of the things I've seen because I will literally ask her, like, hey, when was the last, like, I'll wait a couple days and I'll say, when was the last time you seen something in this house? And she'll be like, oh, Tuesday morning I woke up. There was something in the hallway. And I said, well, what did it look like? She goes, oh, it was like a like a gray figure. Well, that's Tuesday morning. She wakes up and sees that. Monday night, I'm up later than her. She's gone to bed already. I'm walking from the living room to the kitchen past this hallway that runs along the length of the house. And I look down the hall, just because I see her. I, I thought it was her. And I just stop and I look. And there's a naked woman walking from our bedroom into the office across the hall. But this naked woman, I realize, as I'm looking at her, isn't my wife. And there's nobody else in the house with us. 
And this naked woman has what looked like either dried blood or mud rubbed all over her like she was dragged through the bush or something. It was terrifying. And I froze and like instantly I got scared. And I don't normally get scared from these things. But this is one of the few times where I got like really scared. And I looked at that and I just, I I immediately ducked into the nearest door. Because I was like, I got to get the hell out of here. Because that thing is right there. And I closed the door and it was the uh, spare bedroom. So I just slept in the spare bedroom all night, and I spent probably the first three or four hours of being in that room, wide awake, focusing on the wooden door, putting as much energy into that door as I could to be a physical and ethereal barrier. So a couple days later, I asked her, where where did you see this entity? She's like, it was standing in front of the door, facing the door to the spare bedroom. It was like it was trying to get in there. Oh. Oh, fucking dude, just blew my mind. I was like, oh, yeah. And I get chills, and I explained to her why I was in that room that night. And she didn't like that, and then she couldn't sleep, and, you know. So I, I try to hide a lot of that from her when I see lots of this stuff in the house. But, man, like, that's that's what I mean by, like, it gets confirmed by people around me sometimes, and it's just, like, I don't know if that's better or worse. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Yeah, that's a creepy one. Yeah, I didn't like that one. I'll be perfectly frank with you. I thought about selling the house right after that. I don't think we can we got a leaky foundation and stuff but <laughs> it was like oh yeah that's no good haven't uh, haven't seen that particular one again no no not specifically which is nice yeah I won't miss not seeing that thing despite all the clarity of the um, the body and the hair and everything I will say this that one didn't have a face and it's not that it was blurred I mean it just had like a, a sheer flesh from what I could see in the profile and it was kind of moving in the hall and it was crossing the hall so I only got a, like a short glance of it and, but it was long enough that I realized it wasn't her and it was creepy enough that I was like oh man just just duck into the next room here and stay there to get to my bedroom I had to walk another 20 feet down the hall towards where I seen this thing and in my head I'm thinking well it's still out there because <laughs> so, my belief is if it's there it's there and there, for whatever reason it's on our or plane or I can see it tonight for whatever reason and I know from my experiences is they see me generally because they'll focus on me and that's where I go back to that whole um, aura thing because I've had in this house uh, a cousin of mine brought a person over that uh, she was a teacher down in Toronto and he was living in uh, North Carolina he came up back up to Canada for a visit and he picked up his friend uh, at Pearson on his way through, and they came up to visit up north here. And he came over to the house with this girl, and we're out in the backyard uh, shooting the breeze and uh, smoking a little pipe there, if you know what I mean. And uh, she's like, "Oh, geez, uh, you know, thanks for uh, waiting for me." And I just kind of chuckled and I said, "No, no, we didn't wait." I said, "This is, uh, you know, this is the second time we've been outside. That's all. No big deal." And she kind of like she's staring at me as I'm talking, and then she takes a weird step back, like almost drops the pipe I'm like, you okay she's like and she kind of runs her hand through the air she's like i've seen this before I'm like what are you talking about so like, i've seen this energy before i've encountered it once before and she's she's talking to me in front of somebody else another guy that i know who's another true believer if you will about me and i i just jokingly said oh what you see auras do you and she just she got a chill she turned around she walked away and came back in the house 
Now, I mean, this is a weird encounter to have with somebody face-to-face. It's like, well, what's your deal, dude? So I've had a little bit of, we'll call it, confirmation on that level, on that front before, that I have a, a brighter-than-average one, and I'm not trying to be a braggart here because I don't see any value in it um, other than apparently it's like, to me, with these entities that I encounter, I feel that it causes me to shine brighter in the in the darkness or across the void of where they're potentially crossing to like, do I look to them like most entities look to other people where they're kind of foggy and like you see something and they don't know what it is. So they kind of look at it, you know, but these entities maybe see a lot of that kind of stuff because I I don't think that they're on the same plane or the same visual spectrum as we are. And they probably see a lot more stuff than we encounter in a day. So they might be a little bit more in tune to it. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that could go a long way to explain why certain people seem to have repeat encounters. And uh, yeah. the well, idea just, that uh, was expressed uh, in the old days is you had, you know, elf sight, as they would call it, or, or alf sight, sometimes second sight, but that was usually more uh, another thing. But basically that you, you could see these entities. Yeah, exactly. I'm interested in, I'm looking at a list you sent me, I'm, I'm very interested in a couple of these, well I'm interested in all of them, but I wanted to talk about the figures that you talk about that were very, very black. Oh yeah, um, I didn't know that this was a thing until I kind of started listening to various podcasts over the last five or six years, and I had never personally encountered them until we bought this house about, well just how many years ago is that now? I think we bought this house 10 years ago when it kind of started. And, and for me, the weird thing is, is that, like I was saying, I think there's like a, a sensitive spot in this house that amplifies my, um, like I'll call it psychic ability. Because if I sleep in that spare bedroom where I chose to hide that night, I have extremely strong psychic premonitions, like to the degree, like, well, I'll get into this further later, but in that room I've encountered several times like I'll wake up and these are scenarios where you're talking like somebody's laying in bed and then they wake up. Now this isn't like I wake up and I can't move. This isn't one of those paralysis type uh, sleep paralysis type things. I have no problems breathing. None of that. I wake up and I just, you know, that, that feeling like somebody's watching you. Oh yeah. Like you just, something isn't right in this room. And I look around and there's enough light coming in because of the way, the orientation of the window on that room beyond a house uh, like the house beyond that wall there's a street light like directly right on the road there and it casts enough light into the room that at night when you wake up with your eyes fully closed you wake up and look around you can make out the majority of everything in the room and I've got 20-20 vision I've got no issues with my eyes so when I wake up at night if I'm in a room that has ambient light coming from a street light from you know half a block away that's a lot of light for me to see what's going on and there's been a couple occasions in that room. I don't remember exactly how many times now because it got to the point where I just tried ignoring them. Uh, one time, the first time, there's a desk in that room. It's just like an office desk, an old wooden office desk. And I looked and I was like, geez, I don't remember piling stuff on that desk. In and I, I'm thinking this rationally in my head and I'm moving around the bed and I'm kind of like angling to see better. And I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, God, that's creepy, man. It looks like there's somebody, like, sitting, you know, like a baseball catcher crouches? Yeah. 
it, well, there, there was somebody crouching on top of that desk and like leaning hunched forward, kind of watching me. I'm thinking this in my brain, and I'm like, man, that's bizarre. I don't remember putting anything up there. And then, I kid you not, that thing adjusted itself, and I heard like fabric move, like as if he was trying to get a like relieve a little stress off one of his legs or something. And I, I that was another one of the times where my heart just wanted to jump out of my throat because I was like, oh boy, there is somebody in this room. Personally, I've had a long history of uh, martial arts. Um, I've been in lots of fights. Like I said, I was bullied young, so I began to get tough when I was very young. No problem. I'm sitting there. I sleep in the nude. I'm laying there naked underneath my covers thinking, oh, great, I'm going to have to get into a fist fight, and I'm naked <laughs> with somebody who's broken into my house. So I'm staring at this thing, and I'm trying to get definition on who I'm looking at because I'm thinking there's no way this is my wife. A, this is too creepy. B, she wouldn't just hop on top of a desk and crouch weird like a weirdo and this desk is like right next to the window so he's like highly backlit kind of thing i would say he was wearing a three-quarter coat if i if he was wearing anything just because it was like the way he moved and where his knees and everything were i i I could see the definition of him and it was like it was like as if somebody took a guy dressed him up put a weird scraggly wig on him so he had like long hanging hair and then just spray painted the whole thing in like some black spray paint and he was there. He had definition. No whites of his eyes, nothing. No teeth, nothing. Just a black figure in the room. I was like, oh, this is this is fantastic. And I just remember thinking to myself, well, this is going to go one of two ways. Either you're going to end up fighting this guy for your life, or you, you can close your eyes and open them again, and he might be gone. So I closed my eyes, and I opened them. And he's gone, and I'm sitting there going, oh my god, uh, this must have been a dream. I don't know, I don't get it. Never happened, never had that specific, that close. And then, like, the fact that he moved and had that noise when he moved, and I was like, oh, jeez, creepy, just creep me right up. And this was right around that time I was explaining to you there, like, I had abstained from any type of uh, smoking pot just because I was looking for a job. And, everything was like firing in all cylinders with respect to all this stuff and I just I got to the point like I said where it became unbearable these are the kinds of things that become unbearable for me as I start seeing stuff everywhere you know so I'm uh, in that room a few nights later and the primary reason I was sleeping in that room is that uh, I have a back injury and I find before we bought we bought a king size bed there last summer before we bought that bed the, the queen size bed that we used to have was old second hand to us the futon in that room was actually better for my back than our actual bed in our bedroom so i would go in there every couple nights just to try and get myself a little bit of relief so that i could walk around a little bit more erect during the day so i'm in there a couple days later and it's another one of those i wake up and facing the wall and i like geez this is bizarre i can swear there's somebody in this room i turn i roll over just standing right next to the bed like not two feet away from my face there's another one of these things and it's just standing there this one's not moving it's just standing there like as if well i'm just a shadow just ignore me and i'm laying there looking at it going yep and and with the frequency of the things that were happening and i was getting a lot of like i said before cold calls um from people just right out of the blue saying like hey uh have you seen anything weird lately and then i just respond to them like oh what are you talking about and then they're like oh i've 
I woke up the other night and there was somebody on top of me and they were trying to strangle me and then I go, well, that's just like, you know, that's a weird sleep paralysis stuff. You can't, you think you can't breathe and you, they think there's somebody strangling you. And I try to like give them the, the fluffy scientific answer and try to make them feel better. But I was getting lots of weird phone calls from people and I roll over and there's this guy and I'm like, oh, great. And I rolled, I literally just rolled right back over and just closed my eyes and laid there awake for probably like another 10 minutes just thinking, it can't be real. There's no way this is real. Like, I have two dogs in this house. Neither of them are reacting to the fact that this person's in my room. This isn't right. And one of them was a 160-pound big black uh, lab. He was half Newfie, half lab, so he, was a, like, he looked like a wolf, basically. Beautiful dog. So, like, neither of these two would let somebody through the door. Because I had a second dog, so. So, clearly, <laughs> these things are finding their way in somewhere else. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Yeah, anyways, so. And, and this was that, that deep black as well? Oh, uh, this, yeah, this is that exact same. Um, in that room, I've encountered, like, probably three separate occasions that I can remember, but I just started getting really, really irritated by it. Like, the first one terrified me. The second one bothered me. By the third time, I was just like, okay, like, this is ridiculous. Like, I must be absolutely insane at this point because what else could this be? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, it just it didn't make any sense. Um, then I kind of, you know, started looking into some different podcasts and I actually just Googled shadow people. Holy cow. That is like, I don't know if somebody invented that as a trope somewhere at some point in time, but that is a highly, highly common thing, and I did not know about it. And I, I've never, um, like, the commonalities and most people talk about are red eyes and or glowing eyes. I've never had that. I've never seen that. These guys are just dark. They have features. They have depth, all that stuff. They make sound. Sometimes you can hear them breathing. But I've just never seen anything glowing on them. But at the same token, I don't try to interact with them. I don't try to speak to them because I figure... Uh, they've got to drop on me here. If if they had ill intent, I would have found out about it already. It's, that's it's, my my impression. You know, it's interesting though that that deep deep black. That's I'm getting that from Bigfoot witnesses lately. Like two very recently have told me that uh, what they saw was you know either impossibly black or one person said blacker than black. It's just it's very strange. Like like a very strange feature. It almost seems even more out of place in the woods i guess you know if it's in a shadowy room maybe i'm not saying it's it belonged there <laughs> you know what i mean no but, no 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 but, not, not at all but uh, it's it's but it's just such an interesting feature to note and to hear people describing it the same way you know these people aren't thinking about shadow people they're they're you know they're thinking about bigfoot i'm well, not it's all it's it's relative to your sensory input too right if you're in the bush and you're expecting to see a bear and you see a bipedal thing that looks like a bear you're like well that's not a bear clearly because right. it's not bear. What else could that be? I'm in the bush. Well, it's got to be Bigfoot. Right. Whereas if I'm in a you know a science lab and I see something in a floating tank, I'm going to start thinking, well, is that a dead body? Is it an alien? What is that that I'm looking at? You know, it's it's really relative to your to your level of input and what you're expecting to potentially see. Because they may not jump to that you know transdimensional traveler. They may think, well, there's a bipedal ape that nobody's discovered. It just happens to be uh, four kilometers from my house in the bush. Right. Uh, that's not so sure about that. <laughs> well, yeah, and these things may have a form of co-creation or, um, I mean, a lot of people say, 
you go out and you if you're expecting to see Bigfoot, you, you will see Bigfoot. I actually say it doesn't always work like that. A lot of people will go out looking for Bigfoot and they'll see UFOs, or they'll go out looking for UFOs and they'll see some weird cryptid, or they'll yeah. go you know they'll go ghost hunting and they'll see Will of the Wisp lights. You know, it doesn't always give you what you want, but it does seem to react in some ways and and i think you're right i think if, if you're out in the woods you, you know you see something weird maybe the immediate go-to is is bigfoot as opposed to you know something else yeah yeah well i'm not dismissing that you're gonna run into something else because i know personally you run into stuff you partic- particularly when you're not looking for it right when you're your best prepared to capture it either with a voice recorder you, know, you got proof through the uh you know, EMF detector, you got digital cameras, you got a second person there, you're going to get mild at best information feedback. But sometimes you get some stuff and you'll have that second person there and they're like, well, yeah, man, uh, something really weird happened that I cannot explain. And uh, we got to do this again, you know? Yeah, at least in my experience, it's the stuff where I'm alone that is the major stuff where I'm. And I can't like I can't believe no one else is here. <laughs> oh no, absolutely. <laughs> and I think that's part of the game with this stuff. It, it it has an element of the trickster to it. It messes with you, you meaning the the general you, not you specifically. But no, 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 I understand exactly what you mean. It, there's something about it that, and it doesn't like to be measured scientifically. It, it's weird. It doesn't seem to, at least in my observation, audio doesn't. It doesn't mind being recorded audio but for some reason video pictures i just it it doesn't take kindly to that it doesn't want to be photographed it doesn't want to have pictures taken it doesn't want to have film taken audio you can get lucky and get get audio here and there but it they really and by they i'm talking about the whole phenomena the whole the whole range of phenomena it just doesn't seem to want to be photographed well and and even at that the difficulty with photography and video is so many people are so quick to debunk it because we have so many ways to manipulate it that they just all the skeptics automatically assume well there's something false about this oh yeah or it's it's not clear enough or when it's too clear well then it's too clear it's clearly fake right yeah i know yeah definitely speaking of weird hairy things what about the i'm going to call it a werewolf uh the fellow the the fellow in the black trench coat that i uh, listed for you yeah so I'm over at a buddy's house. It's about uh, one in the morning. I leave his house. We were watching movies. Um, I think the time frame would have been 2001, the winter of 2001. So it was crossing into 2002. In Timmins here, we get a lot of snow in the winter. Like most places, I'm not claiming that we get more than anybody else. This particular night uh, was actually snowing. That those really nice, beautiful, big, fluffy snowflakes. Yeah. I leave this guy's house, and there's an orange glow everywhere from the, the old halogen lights before they replaced them with these energy-saving things that you can't see half a block with. So all the light pollution all over town, everything is orange, bright. It's like as bright at night as it is during the day if you're outside and it's snowing because of the reflection off the clouds and everything. So there's about two inches of fresh snow on the ground. And this guy's apartment had a bit of a driveway, but it wasn't cleaned because he, he actually lived above a, a lawyer's office. So I walked out of this place and I stepped over a uh, traffic barrier in a parking lot 
next door, which was the doctor's office. And I'm walking diagonally across the parking lot, and let's call it, I'm trying to count the parking spaces I know, because I do all this. It's about 120 feet long, this parking lot. It's flat, all snow, and I'm walking to the sidewalk to walk home. So I'm going to cut down the highway and continue walking home. So I see this guy wearing a big black coat, black boots. I didn't get a, a really good look at his face, specifically because he was like 120 feet away. I wasn't really thinking much of him. I just kind of looked up at him. I'm walking and I'm observing the fact that the snow's crunching underneath my feet and it's really quiet and all I can hear is me walking. There's no cars, nothing. It's, it's one of those pristine, silent nights. But it's just gently snowing. And I look at this guy, and I'm kind of just keeping an eye on him, because, you know, I'm a really 20s guy, and who knows what he's up to. Well, doesn't he... He's walking down the sidewalk, so he's walking kind of, like, perpendicular to me, but I'm walking on, a say, a 45 towards him. Well, doesn't he turn exactly in line with the line that I'm walking and walk towards me? Is this guy going to my friend's house? Is he coming to speak to me? Who is this fellow? He's wearing a long trench coat. I don't know. And he takes this weird, elaborate step. And it's it like, with this step, he must have cleared six feet between his feet. And in doing so, his upper body <laughs> melded into a wolf. And he turned into this big, dark wolf that hits the ground on the next step. Bounces from a 20 feet away, through the air, and this is just completely crazy sounding, I understand, trust me, I know, bounces through the air and lunges at me. So in a split second, I see this guy walking, he turns, he starts walking towards me, takes two really large elaborate steps, and in doing so, turns in, like, just physically morphs into a wolf, quickly, like, very quickly, hits the ground with all four, jumps and lunges at me, and, like, now I hear him. That sound of a dog attacking, that's what I'm hearing. And he's coming at, the, coming at me, and I'm completely ill-prepared for this. I literally, in my only instinct, fall backwards onto my back in the snow, screaming with my hands up in the air. Completely would have been dead had it actually been a dog there. And even to this day, I'm thinking to myself, well, you didn't react very well. <laughs> So I fall backwards, screaming, hands up, and I look around. I didn't get hit by this big, like, 300-pound dog, because this, this was a big guy. Like, this this wolf was easily, like, six feet long. Like, it was as big as this guy was tall. And I look around. He's nowhere. I look forward. No footsteps in the snow. He's gone. Completely not here anymore. Well, I get up. I run about a half a block into a convenience store. And I knew the guy that was working there, because uh, a couple days later, he's like, what was your deal the other night? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you don't you don't remember coming in here? I was like, well, yeah, I remember coming in here. So, yeah, you came in here, you ran behind the chip rack, you hit the ground, and you hid there for 25 minutes and wouldn't talk to me. And I was like, like, I tried to explain to him, like, I was probably as scared as I've ever been in my life. He's like, well, I got that. Trust me, I understood. He's like, I locked the door. I didn't know what was going on. Because... He knew me, and he knew I wasn't even the type to scare easy. And on top of that, I run in there like, uh, like I'm on fire, run behind like the nearest chip rack and just take cover and like basically cower on the floor for 25 minutes. He he didn't know what was going on. He's trying to talk to me, trying to get 
blew out of me. And I was just petrified. Like, couldn't believe what I just saw. And unlike all the other times that I had experienced anything, this was this was the third instance. So it was like the grandmother, the plaid wearing guy, then this thing. And this was the first time that one of these things did something really bizarre. And I knew it at the time. And it was super aggressive. And I was like, okay. So, you know, I eventually calmed down enough. And when another customer came in, apparently I ran out the door. And, like, they were both kind of laughing at me. <laughs> like, they're like, what's his deal? It's like, there was no deal, man. I was just terrified. Like, I needed to get home. I was a good 10 blocks from home. I didn't know what to do. I was like, okay, clearly nobody's pursuing me into the store. Time didn't seem to really matter at that point. I thought it was only in there for a few minutes. He's like, no, you were on the floor for 25 minutes. I was like, oh, that's nice. So that's that scenario. Are, um, are I don't you... have much else to talk about it because it was so quick and so extremely vivid that it freaked me right out, obviously, as I fully explained. So what was this? You were picking rose hips, was it? And you saw... Like... Yeah, so, so being the uh, nature nut that I am, I, I like to... Uh, not live off the land, but I enjoy picking various tea ingredients, all the berries that are bountiful here through the summer. Sure. Uh, I pick mushrooms. I eat different things out of the bush that lots of people will just turn their nose up to, but they got lots of really interesting medicinal properties. There's like an abundance of high level food out there. Like I've, I've sometimes come home with, um, I'm going to brag a little bit here. I've come home with like, you know, six pounds of chanterelle mushrooms freshly picked from growing to my house within a few hours. Nice. Now, you tell me, if you had to go and buy chanterelle mushrooms, you know, where did they come from? How fresh are they? Did they, you know, like, I don't know. I, I know where exactly where to go to get them, and they're beautiful, right? So I'm out one time picking blueberries for my wife because she really, really likes blueberries. And the irony is I enjoy the picking of the blueberries. I don't even care about eating them. So I'll... <laughs> I'll spend like, you know, 20 hours over a weekend picking berries, not even touch the berries. Like, not even sample them. Just pick them, know which ones are good, know where the soil's correct pH so that they come across with the right tartness or sweetness relative to who you're picking for. Because everybody has a different taste for their berries, right? Mm-hmm. So anyways, I'm out picking blueberries and I decided, oh, you know what, today, it's a little early. It's only August. But uh, I think I'm going to try and find some rose hips. Because I love rosehip tea. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had rosehip tea. Yes, I have. So, you know, it's extremely sweet. It tastes like sweet berries. And when you consider that that's like the apple family, it's very interesting that it has that beautiful flavor. So they grow naturally up here. Um, Wild roses. uh, They're called the dog rose or canina dog rose or canina rose or whatever it is. And like I said, it was too early in the season. I knew it was too early, but I was convinced that I was just going to go find them. So I go down the road, I pack up the berries, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go find some rose hips. It's about four weeks too early, which is a big difference when you're this far north because we have an extremely shortened growing season mm-hmm. for everything. Winter sets in pretty, pretty early, like uh, Halloween, my entire childhood. It was a flip of a coin whether or not uh, you had to wear a snowsuit under or over your costume. <laughs> so, yeah, so um, I'm about four weeks too early for the berries, I know this. But I really, really, uh, sorry for the rose hips, but I really, really want some because I haven't had rose hip tea that year and I was out of rose hips from the year before and I didn't find that many. So I, I just get in the truck and well, actually it was my car at the time. And I, I just kind of 
similar to people who do automated writing, I do automated driving when I want berries or some specific mushroom or something. I just get in the vehicle and I just drive and I just let the road take me where it will and I pick a road that I haven't been on in years and I go down it. So I pick this specific road off the highway, which I know for a fact I have never personally been down in all of my teenage years, my adult years. If I was down there as a child with my parents, I honestly don't remember it. So to me, this is all new territory. But I see it from the highway and I pull over and I'm kind of looking at the road and I'm using my, uh, you know, my Jedi sense to tell me there's berries, the rose hips specifically you want are down this road. So I'm like, all right, fine, fair enough. So I go down there. Something, like I said before, if I don't go to the bush long enough, it calls to me. It's it's very similar to that when I'm out picking berries. Like I, can be, I can be doing like 85 kilometers an hour down the road, just put on the brakes, tell my friend, because I always have a partner usually with me that day. I didn't. I'll tell them, just go, go 25 feet into the bush that way and tell me if there's, you know, this specific berry growing there. And they hop out, they go do it, and they just, they laugh. They're like, how would you ever know that? I'm like, I can smell it. And I just tell them I can smell it, but that's not true. I just know where they are. It's just like the hunting thing. It's unfair, but I figure the berries are fair game there. They're for me and the, the animals that I get to talk to. So I drive down this road, and I park the car, and there's like this little um, old road. It's all grown in off to the left-hand side and kind of like goes up a bit of a sandy hill and then disappears into the bush and it's, it's like I said it's all grown in so I'm like well I've never been down here but uh, this feels like the spot that I'm supposed to be so I get out of the car I grab a straw hat that I was wearing all day because I filled all my other um, buckets and everything so I wear that uh, crystal deodorant and I didn't want to use bug dope despite the horrendous mosquitoes in the bush so what i was using was tea tree oil and i was applying it like extremely liberally to like my hands my arms my face my head my ball cap and what i noticed with the tea tree oil is like the mosquitoes get close it burns them from about three inches away and then they fly away and like die so huh. it kind of made me kind of made me laugh so i'm smelling of nature if you understand what i mean and i always believe that this is extremely important when encountering a lot of these things in the bush because every time that I have I have been quote unquote clean like that where uh, there's no like man-made deodorants or perfumes or anything right so I get out of the car I walk up this little road and uh, I'm applying some tea tree oil and after this instance I actually looked up tea tree to make sure that it didn't cause hallucinations because I was like holy cow maybe this stuff is bad for you it doesn't However, so I'm walking along and I've got this straw hat that I was picking with all day and I'm going to use this to fill up my rose hips with because I'm convinced. I'm convinced they're right here. And I actually stopped at one or two other uh, rose bushes that I knew where they were just to check and they were all way too um, green. The buds were still green. They weren't turned red yet. So, and most of them actually still had flowers. So like they, they, they were clearly not ready. So I get out of the car, and as soon as I step onto this road, instantly, I'm floating about like 20 feet above the ground. I can see the ground where I'm supposed to be standing, but I'm in the air, but not in like a disorientating way. It's it's like I'm on the ground standing there, and at the same time, I can see from above. And this is the first time I've ever had this experience. And I'm looking down, and I'm like, 
oh, that's bizarre. I'm not there. And what I see is a cart, like a wagon, a wheeled wagon with a horse and an old guy, like an old, uh, let's call him an old farmer. I don't know who he is. He's wearing a wide brim black hat, very mundane clothing, kind of like a stained white shirt, if you will, black coat, black pants, muddy. He's got an empty cart and he's being pulled by this horse across this piece of land. And I'm having this vision, as I would refer to it, and I'm looking down at this and I'm like, oh my god, this is this is very surreal. And then just as it starts, all of a sudden I'm actually kind of seeing from his eyes, going down the road for a moment, holding the reins and everything, and then I'm back in myself and I'm like, oh man, that's weird. That that was like really intense. Like it was I was there. Like this like I, I instantly knew. Like it was a time a long ago. Like this was like the 1909s, the 1890s, something like this area was not even established correctly yet. And this this port, like this 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 guy is like an old miner, an old farmer, or something. He's in this area, maybe an old guy from the Quebec side coming across, looking for you know trading with the natives or something. I don't know. Maybe he's a, a fur trader. I don't know what he is, but I just had this vision of this guy. I'm like, oh, that's really neat. I look to my right from where I'm standing. And there's a, a bush with my specifically my favorite berry, which is black currant, black currant bush. Mm-hmm. So I walk over. I'm like, holy cow, these are way out of season. And I'm looking at it, and as I'm looking at it, I notice the entire bush, as well as the uh, currant berries, the black currants, are all covered in these like needle fine hair looking they, they look like glass all over the entire tree it's like it's got like glass thorns but they're not thorns they're like hairs or like hypodermic needle just short short quarter of an inch long and even the berry has them sticking out of it and I'm looking at it going well that's a weird blight I've never seen that before in my life and I reached out to try and pluck one of the berries off to like get a better look at it and I got about maybe six inches from that berry and in slow motion the stupid berry falls off the tree very slowly hits the ground like I didn't even touch it yet and it just falls from the tree and hits the ground I pulled my hand back really quickly and I was like oh something's not right here between what I just saw and what what's going on with this this is really something else like and I knew because this was in that same period of time where all the, the stuff was happening at a very high frequency. Like the the shadow guys, this experience, a few uh, <laughs> very strong pulling information out of people, things. It was all happening within like a span of like eight months, which doesn't seem like a very short period of time, but in the you know course of a lifetime where these things might only pop up once every year or two, this is a lot of stuff going on for a long time. And like I'm talking. Every other day, something weird's going on. Right. So I kind of like step backwards, and I walk away from this um, current bush. And I'm like, okay, that's that's not good, right? Like, there's something wrong with this. This is an omen. I shouldn't be, shouldn't be here. After everything I've seen, I'm like, this is not right. Before I turn to leave, I just look to my right, deeper into the woods, because I'm on this path, right? And I just kind of stepped off to the right of it. And just like somebody had a, a fat red sharpie and drew a line in the air through the woods, I see this red line up rose hips 
disappearing into the woods. All these rose bushes just right there. And they're perfectly ripe. And it's about a 10 foot wide path. It's mildly clear. And on the sides of the path, there are all these roses. I'm like, oh man, like score, bounty, right? Like this is even better than I could have dreamed. And about, I think it was 40 feet away from me, was this really tall, tall grass. And it was all yellowed, which was um, not exactly correct for the time of year because it was only August. It should have still been green. But it looked like if it was last year's dead grass or maybe an October grass, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. So I start picking these rose hips. And as I pick them, the path of the rose bushes is kind of leading me towards this grass. So I get about 20 or so feet away from the grass. Sorry, I started at about 60 feet out. I think I got to within 40 feet. And I heard what sounded like somebody chopping wood. I heard this one, like, solid sound of, like, a, a, an axe hitting wood is what it sounded like to me. Like, in the woods. You know, when you've been camping, you hear somebody cutting wood from a distance? Sure. Yeah. It's that sound. And I stand up real proud, and I'm like, oh, man. I inadvertently walked onto somebody's property. They're not going to be thrilled. I better get out of here. So I hear that, and then I hear a knock, like somebody knocked on the, a tree. And I'm like, oh, there's definitely somebody out here. And then I hear a third knock. So there's three knocks, basically, of like wood on wood or an axe on wood for the first one, and then two that sound just like somebody hitting a stick on the on a tree. And I was like, well, that's bizarre. I look, and I see coming through, like just on the opposite side of the grass, I hear rustling, and I'm like, Oh no. Not only am I on somebody's property, but they got a freaking dog that isn't tied up. And I'm on his yard, like I'm on his turf right now, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm running through all the scenarios. Okay, you've lived with dogs your entire life. You own big dogs. You're, you're fine with dogs. Number one thing, talk really, really friendly to it. If it's even got a moment's doubt that it doesn't want to attack you, you're going to be okay. You're going to be able to talk them down. You talk to all kinds of wild animals all the time. Dogs are a, a unique breed in that when they're aggressive, they're always aggressive. And when they're not, they're completely fine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you never run into a squirrely dog that wants to attack you that you can really talk down. He's just going to attack you. Unlike other stuff, you can kind of, like, talk him down. Or uh, that's my experience anyway. So I'm thinking, okay, it's all good. So this grass, like I said, is tall. It's about three feet tall. And I see these two gray things. And instantly in my mind, like, uh, they just look little tips. And I'm thinking they're two, like, German shepherd ears. Mm-hmm. And that's all I can see through the grass is his ears. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's a very tall dog. Because they're kind of, like, popping up. But as they're popping up, they're coming closer every time they go down. They come up a little closer. And the grass is, like, kind of, like, moving. And I can hear it coming at me. And before long... It stops about halfway through the grass, and I'm thinking to myself, man, that's a big dog, and he's an old German Shepherd because his ears are, like, the tips of his ears are, like, silvery gray. At that moment, there's a, uh, a small poplar tree just, like, kind of in the, the mix of this grass, and I see this creature run up it, and as quickly as I see it, I think, oh, okay, I, I didn't see that right, and, well, thank God this isn't a dog. But what I did see is either that's a uh, very large squirrel, like the biggest squirrel on earth, like three feet long kind of thing, with like a two foot tail. And he's got a seagull or something in his mouth because I see these wings. And I'm like, 
I didn't see that right. And I don't know if you're familiar with a bird called the whiskey jack. I am not. Okay, this is the bird that I actually thought it was. I just say seagull because it's the coloring's close. But I thought it was a whiskey jack that this creature had probably in its mouth or was attacking this creature. I couldn't tell because I saw wings, gray wings, a big bushy tail, and all this other stuff. And I'm like, what the hell? And I'm standing there. And, and here's the funniest part about this. As I'm seeing this and I realize it's not a dog, my right hand reaches down and starts picking another rose hip and starts throwing it in the hat. And as I'm watching, I kind of like take a step forward. So it goes up a tree. Well, about 10 feet closer to me, there's another tree. Down the tree comes this creature. Now, I'm going to describe to you what I see. And to this day, I've not been able to find online or a single reference that it matches it. Nobody's art. I've never found anybody else who's kind of like describing what I'm seeing. Potentially, maybe with this, so I'll find somebody who does has seen this. But it was a... Uh, the face of a red panda, okay, mm-hmm. which is not native to Timmins, Ontario, by any means. On the body of what looked like an ex- like an oversized squirrel or like a gray squirrel, with an extremely extremely long bushy tail, but it was like more of a brownish color, with two silvery gray wings, furry wings, protruding from its back, and it came head first down the tree and stopped so there's green above and then grass below and there's about a a four foot space that i can see and he kind of like slides down and i get this full view of this creature and he's just staring at me from about 20 feet away staring straight at me no joke like no bones about it he's looking at me pitch black eyes and instantly my body is like back out of here you gotta go it's time to leave this is not right Everything in my, like the id of my brain is telling me, get the heck out of here. At the same time, I can like hear in my head, it, that thing, saying, come here, come to me, come here. And I'm just like, no, this is not right. So I see this creature with a red panda face, cute, but off-putting, because hey, red panda doesn't exist here. Not at the right body, because it's got this bizarre body with this beautiful long bushy tail and these two furry gray wings that were undersized for the creature's size I was going to ask that but at the same time on the creature like big enough that I thought it was initially when I first got that glimpse of it shooting up the tree after I realized it wasn't a dog I thought it was like like a a marten fighting with a bird or a squirrel fighting with a bird or being attacked by a bird I, I didn't know what I didn't know what the dynamic was I was like, well, that's really bizarre. <laughs> but then when it came down, the, like a tree closer to me, like it, like it crossed through tree green without me even hearing it happen. And it just kind of slid down and stopped and was there. I was like, oh, boy, this this is all relative to that berry tree. This is all relative to that vision. There is some energy right here. This stuff is effed up. So here's my reaction. Despite every urge in my brain telling me, like listening to this thing going, go to it. It's it's a good idea. This thing wants this thing wants you. You should go see it. If for whatever reason he's calling you and you should go. My physical body is like, no, no, we're out of here. But I didn't want to turn around because I had this weird um, knowledge, we'll call it, but like a fear more so that if I turned around, it was going to close the gap between us instantly. And I don't know what was going to happen, but it wasn't going to be good because I was, about, like I said, about 20 feet away from it. So instead, I walked backwards 
out of the woods without tripping for about 30 or 40 feet. I walked backwards, keeping eye contact with it. And here's the messed up part. Every time a rose hip appeared in my peripheral vision, my hand would dart out and pick it. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was here for. And it would throw it in the hat. And I kept doing this all the way out. And it was like completely like autopilot. And I'm sitting there going, like my brain screaming, get out of here. And at the same time, it's going, no, 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 go check them out. It's, it's all good. This is completely normal. Yeah, everything about this is right. <sighs> so I end up getting out of there. I run out of there. I get in my car. I'm like, oh my God, that's weird. And then I start analyzing what I just saw. I'm like, okay, that's not real. That couldn't possibly be real. And then I thought, you know what? You just walked out of there backwards without even looking once. When I walked in, I actually had to walk around two trees, two two evergreens that were kind of tangled together. And I somehow managed to walk directly through where they were supposed to be without even touching them, without ever altering my path or anything. Do you think like all of these things are related or do you think it's separate phenomena? I would have to think some of the items are related. Some of it is uh, based solely around me, I think, or my uh, residence or the specific location I was in. I I don't know enough about any of them to be formulating a, a firm opinion on it. I do think that there's some relation to certain things, but, you know, is there... Is there some way that I could demonstrate certain things to certain people? No, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's an honest answer. You can't, I mean, who can say for sure if they're all related? I'd be faking you if I thought I knew the answers to that. I'm still exploring. I'm still reading every day. I still want to know other people who know stuff to just hear their stories, you know, and I just, like, I don't have a, a, a network myself, but... I'm trying to, you know, with my one friend there, trying to build a level of uh, understanding about this stuff. But it's it's tough to, to lead through because it's lots, as I'm sure you're aware. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your stories. And uh, yeah, absolutely. keep me updated. I'm, I think you have a lifetime of experiences, and, and I don't think they're going to stop. So uh, please uh, keep me updated. Sure. Absolutely. I will. All right. Thank you. All right. It's been a good talk. Bye. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. DarkHollerArts.com If you're on Facebook, check out the Strange Familiars Gathering Group. Look us up, join, and you can share news stories and get news on the show and see other listeners there, talk to them. We have a lot of fun on there. That's the Strange Familiars Gathering. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. Light the candle ring
returns my love The first is now the last The tarot's been spread The future's been read Light the candle, ring the bell Tomorrow will still bleeds in the dying breath vines entwine the lantern love come to see undead come to see undead When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.